Hi everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Beyond the Battle podcast. I am Noah Filipiak. I'm the author of the book, Beyond the Battle, a man's guide to his identity in Christ in an over-sexualized world. Off the bat, I want to say this podcast is for both men and women, even though my book is just for men. There will be a parallel book to Beyond the Battle, tentatively titled More Than a Princess, and it will be for women, and it is in the works. And one of the reasons I specifically want to point out that this podcast is for men and women, this podcast is also going to be very interactive. I think what's going to make this podcast good and special is listeners interacting. Send in your questions. uh, Let me know what you think as you listen to things on the podcast that you disagree with or there's questions that you have and I specifically would like to hear from women and specifically need to hear from women as I prepare to write the parallel book More Than a Princess. So there's two ways you can interact with the podcast. One of them is on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at battle underscore podcast. So that's at battle underscore podcast. You can also email the show beyond the battle podcast at gmail.com. Beyond the battle podcast at gmail.com. If you have not read a copy of Beyond the Battle, I would encourage you to pick one up. It will help you as you listen to the podcast. But really, what we're going to talk about on this podcast are the areas of lust, pornography, marriage, singleness. Certainly this will be a podcast for both married and single. And really what I expect to happen is kind of all gamut of sexuality are things that we'll end up talking about on this podcast. And some of that will be dictated by the questions that you send in. But I hope that this is a safe place for you to get some questions answered. And at the end of the day, we're going to be looking at what the Bible says about these things. And the real thesis or the foundation of the Beyond the Battle book is that the surface-level symptoms, I should say the surface-level solutions that we often use for these things, they just don't work in the long run. So a few examples, and this, these aren't bad things necessarily. I'm not saying we shouldn't be doing them. But if you are struggling with lust or pornography, you'll often hear a sermon that will tell you, well, give those things up to the Lord. You know, stop doing those things. And many of us think, well, if I could stop, I would stop. I want to stop. I don't know how to stop. There's certainly chemical addiction involved. There's compulsive behavior involved. Uh, These aren't just usually things we can just give up and walk away from. This podcast will not exclusively be about pornography issues. So if you don't struggle with pornography, praise God. But whether you're married or single, I assume that you, like me, and like almost everyone else I talk to, have struggles when it comes to your singleness or your marriage. And we're going to look at how the gospel applies to these things. And the first thing that I'm going to do Let's kind of lay out what the first few episodes are going to be like. One thing I know we're going to do for these first six episodes is look at the videos 
that go along with the Beyond the Battle book. So the, what the videos are meant to do is to be small group curriculum. And currently, I'm in two different Beyond the Battle small groups. I'm just finished one up this week. I'll be finishing it up another one. And the hope, will, those are both in-person groups, so I'll continue to do here in Lansing. And the hope, stay tuned for details on this, is actually to do some online virtual groups that I lead uh, that you'll have an opportunity to jump into. But my hope is if you're listening and you have a copy of Beyond the Battle, there's really two parts of the book that really will bear fruit. If you just read the book and then put it on your shelf, I think you'll get some things out of it, but you will not get the fruit out of it that I think you really need. Uh, Part of that is because my words aren't going to save you. My words aren't going to help you. I certainly sprinkle a lot of scripture into the book itself, but I really believe that the deep soul work that we need to do has to be done with the Lord, has to be done through his word, and it has to be done spending time with him. So if you go to Appendix B in the book, there is 40 days worth of daily devotionals. And as you read the book, it'll tell you every few pages, go to Appendix B to read the devotional material. So if you're just reading the book to read it and to get it done, like me, you're just like, I'm going to skip that part. Uh, I'm asking you if you... You can read the book that way the first time, no problem, but I would encourage you to then read it again slowly. Read it as your daily devotional. Plan on 40 days minimum to work through the book. If you miss days, obviously it'll take you longer than that. But then the second piece is to read the book with other men. And again, women, there will be a book for you that there will be curriculum design for you as well. And one thing I'm wrestling with is to probably co-author that book with a woman. And so you can just pray for me as I discern that. And again, your feedback is very helpful. I'm having a couple of women read Beyond the Battle right now, and I'm asking them for their feedback. What parts of this book are helpful for you as a woman? As a woman? What parts aren't helpful? And obviously, they'll, what parts would you like to see added? So I would love your feedback on that as well. Uh, but for guys, if you're reading Beyond the Battle right now, read through it with a group of guys. And there is a set of videos. They're free. You can find them at my blog, which is at acrossroads.net. You can just go to atacrossroads.net. It shouldn't take you long to find them in the search box. If you'd like the exact link, it is atacrossroads.net backslash beyond videos. In fact, it might be forward slash. I'm not sure if you want to tell me uh, beyond... (laughs) If you want to correct me on that, before if it's a forward slash or a backslash, but at acrossroads.net forward slash beyond videos. So what I'm going to do in this first episode is I'm just going to play for you the first video. You're meant to see the video. There's a, Each video has a little prop that goes along with it, but I think that we'll be able to get by just fine. So this is about five minutes. Sit back and listen. And the reason I'm doing this is because as I've done two of these groups now, I've noticed you know, the videos are good. They're not perfect. I think they, they leave a lot of questions. What does that exactly mean? To be honest with you, I think I cram too much information into five minutes worth. So we're going to play the video and then kind of slow down and look at Scripture. Each of these episodes, we'll look at a Scripture passage that has to do with, in this case, the video. 
and then talk about some application points. And then if you have further questions, each episode we're also going to do a mailbag section. So we have a mailbag section, again, beyond the battle podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at battle underscore podcast. I will follow you back on Twitter so you can send in direct messages. If you want to be anonymous in your questions, I totally respect that, especially due to the nature of this topic. So let me know about that. Without further ado, here is video one of the small group curriculum for the Beyond the Battle small group. So did your mom ever get on your nerves about having bad posture? You're standing like this and she's like, hey, stand up straight, get those shoulders back. You're like, mom, just leave me alone, chill out. Let me just relax, be myself. Meanwhile, a pretty girl walks in the room and all of a sudden you're like, suck in that gut, pop the chest out a little bit. Like, hey, uh, how's it going there, right? I mean, you know, who, the people who are around affects how we carry ourselves. So, so my question for you is, how do you carry yourself before God? With what kind of posture do you stand before him? And why does it matter for every single thing in your life? Modern Christianity today, we have become over-focused on Jesus and on his grace. You might wonder, how, how is that even possible? I mean, could we overemphasize grace, overemphasize Jesus to a fault? Well, what happens is this. When we only look at the New Testament, we neglect two-thirds of the Bible. We neglect the Old Testament and these very, very rich themes about God's character. For example, God's holiness, God's judgment, God's wrath, right? And so you see a text like Exodus 19, verses 12 to 19, and God is in basically introducing himself to the people of Israel. It's at Mount Sinai. Moses is about to get the Ten Commandments. And the mountains start shaking violently. There, there's fire on the mountain. There's billowing smoke. There's thunder. There's lightning, right? On top of this, God says to the people, he says, nobody touch the mountain or you will die. Now, imagine that this is the God you go to worship every Sunday. That would be terrifying, right? I mean, your posture would be very different than the modern day posture. We would be on our face before this God saying, please don't kill me. In the New Testament, we put our arm around Jesus and we're buddies, we're pals. Me and Jesus, it's like almost, we're almost the same because I have grace. Well, you might have grace, but you and Jesus are not the same. Me and Jesus are not the same. Jesus is still holy, and we are still sinful. And here's what starts to happen. We start to get this feeling like maybe I'm not so bad. Like if I was there in Exodus 19, I mean, God would have been like, hey, what's up, man? Like you can come close to the mountain. You're, you're not as bad as those Exodus 19 people. And we start to feel like we deserve things from God. And then that bleeds into our marriage. So if I deserve things from God in my marriage, for example, I deserve my wife to be a certain way. And if she's not being that way for me, I feel entitled to that. And if I feel entitled to that, then I'm entitled to look elsewhere for those things. You ever feel like you've gotten a raw deal from God when it comes to your marriage? Or you feel like you've gotten a raw deal from God in your singleness? Like in your marriage, you're like, Lord... This is not what I signed up for. This is not the person I married. I've done it your way. I've been a good husband. I've done things right. And this is the wife that you've given me. Or your singleness is the raw deal you feel like you've gotten from God. You're like, God, I, I don't look at pornography anymore. I go to church. I read my Bible. Now, God, do your part. Give me what I deserve. Let me give you some advice. Don't ever pray and ask God to give you what you deserve. 
Because, you know, you and I, we deserve death from God. We deserve hell from God. And and look, it's not cool to talk about hell in modern Christianity anymore. People look at you funny when you do. But look, the, the Bible talks about hell a lot. It talks about God's holiness a lot. It talks about judgment a lot. And here's what happens when we minimize God's holiness and we overfocus on his grace. We take God, who's way up here in his holiness, and we start to minimize him. We say, oh, he's not that holy. Sin's not that big of a deal to God. And we take our depravity, our sinfulness, and we say, you know what? I'm not that bad of a guy. I mean, I know Jesus had to die for me, but it wasn't like this much trouble for him to die for me. It, it may have only been about like this. And we've cheapened the cross. It's like we go to God and say, Lord, you know, I confess my sin. I've maybe done about 25 cents worth of wrong to you. And we've shortened that bridge between us and God to about 25 cents worth of confession. Okay? Uh, Here's what happens in exchange. We then get 25 cents worth of mercy. And we walk around with this mercy that we've allowed ourselves to receive from the Lord. And this is the mercy we're supposed to forgive our wife with. This is the mercy that we're supposed to be grateful for everything that God has given us. Not very much to work with, right? Well, in your group, I want you to read Matthew 18, 21 to 35. And in this text, you meet a servant. And the text tells us that the sin the servant committed my sin, your sin. It's, it's not 25 cents worth of sin. It's 200,000 years worth of salary. Picture the chasm between us and God of 200,000 years worth of sin. But now picture how much mercy it takes to fill that void. That's the mercy you've been given in Jesus. That's the mercy that we are now loaded with to be able to show our wives. That's the mercy we've been given to live a life of gratitude not a life of entitlement. When you do these videos as your group, you'll there's questions in the back of the book. It's in Appendix A, and there's questions you'll go through. And, and uh, frankly, there's more questions than you'll even be able to use. What I want to do is take a step back and look at some of the things mentioned in the video. So I really believe... And this is from my own experience, my own testimony, but it's also being a pastor for quite a few years now. I believe that God's holiness is one of the biggest things missing from Christianity when it comes to why more people's lives aren't being changed, why we struggle with some of the things that we struggle with. And this is why. I ask a question in the video where I mention it, that it's like we're overemphasizing God's grace. And... First of all, I want to say on the record, it's not possible to overemphasize God's grace. I mean, we'll we'll never understand the magnitude of his grace. We should emphasize it 110% as much as we can. But if we don't understand his holiness first, then his grace is cheapened. And that's the point I'm trying to get across in the video. I don't know how clear it is in the video. I, I talk about 25 cents worth of grace. And what I'm trying to get us to understand is when we only see let's call it, for lack of a better term, a New Testament God. This, and not that God didn't have grace in the Old Testament, but that's kind of what we've made it into today, that there's this New Testament God, and he's a God of grace and mercy, and so we talk about that a lot. That's Jesus, and we love him. And then there's the God of wrath in the Old Testament, and we sort of don't like that God, so we don't talk about that God. And it's done a few things to us, psychologically, I guess you could say, as Christians. 
where I do think most of us, myself included, we take a very entitled approach to God. God, you owe this to me. God, give me what I deserve. And there's a lot of theology that's based around that. It's based around God giving you uh, things you want, even things you need. And some of those things, it's not, it's not just the sort of health and wealth, God, give me, give me luxury. But there's truly things we need. People die, right? There's, there's, there's really deep theological things of like, why aren't certain prayers answered and those sorts of things. And that often can be a miserable place to be. And how does this apply to our sexual purity, whether married or single? It can be a miserable place to be because if you're in a marriage, and you're a, whether you're a husband or a wife, and you're really, really struggling, the first place you go is to God, and nothing changes. And you say, God, why would you give me this person? This needs to change. This needs to change. This needs to change. As a single person, the prayer really isn't that different. Usually, as a single, you're looking to marriage to be the thing that God is depriving you of, or companionship, or something along those lines, or even other ways. God, why did you make me the way you made me? And you, you might feel undesirable, those sorts of things. And we go to God with this attitude of, God, give me what I deserve. And those are natural things, and we should go to God with our request but we often don't go with the right posture, which is what I was talking about in the video. If you look at Exodus 19, it's a passage where God introduces the Ten Commandments, and it is a terrifying scene. And thankfully, that's not, that I, I should say this, that is the same God that we interact with every Sunday. But thankfully, we have a mediator. We have Jesus. God himself came to this earth to be our mediator so that when we interact with God, we don't interact with him in all of his glory and all of his holiness because he's holy and we're not. And what that scene is in reality is Exodus 19. It's a mountain that's, that's on fire. It's billowing smoke. It's shaking. It's violent. And there's a command not to touch the mountain. The person who touches the mountain must die. And that doesn't seem like a very attractive God, and it's not, but it is the truth. The truth is God is holy and we're not, and we're the ones that rebelled against God. We were supposed to be in communion with God, Adam and Eve sinned, and now we have this separation from God, and what we deserve is God's wrath. It is funny and ironic that in the church today, I think it is quite unpopular to talk about his wrath. And a lot of that is because, I'll be honest, you know, s some of you listening, you grew up in churches where that's all you ever heard about. You never heard about the grace and the mercy part. And I think that's part of human nature. We latch on. It's going to be all wrath, and that's the hell and the brimstone and the judgment. And that's a terrible environment. There's no gospel there. And God is a God of grace, and the gospel is good news. But we tend to be knee-jerk reaction people, and we swing so far the other direction that it's all about grace, it's all about mercy, and we forget that we're actually being saved from something. We act like we deserve to be saved, and that is not the case. If you look at Scripture, even in the New Testament, that side of things where, you know, the gospel is grace and mercy, it is, but if you look, there's many verses like this, but Romans 2.5 always stands out to me. Romans 2, chapter 2, verse 5 says, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. There's a lot of talk about wrath there. And here's what I like to do 
And this is especially when I'm struggling in my marriage or struggling in my impurity. And because here's what happens. You go to God and you say, God, give me what I deserve. He doesn't give it to you. And you say, what? Well, I got a raw deal. God isn't giving me what I deserve. And so, therefore, I'm going to go out and get what I deserve, especially if you've done things, quote, unquote, the right way. If you've read the sexual purity books like I did in college that say if you save yourself sexually until marriage, marriage will be this payoff. It, it was called a sexual payoff in the, books, in the book that I read. And what if you – there's a lot we can get into. I think we'll get into that in a future episode. But for this episode, I want to think about when you approach marriage and you expect a payoff – that means first you expect that you've earned something when the Bible's clear that all we've earned is God's wrath because of our sin. But that, so that immediately changes your posture. Instead of having a posture that we are at God's mercy, we have a posture that we've earned something. And we go to God and say, God, I've earned this from my wife or I've earned this from my husband or as a single, God, I've earned this. Give me what I deserve. We don't get what we, we, we don't get the thing that we think we, we've earned. And so we go out and find it somewhere else. And that finding it somewhere else sometimes often can be pornography. It often can be a fantasy world. That's often how affairs start and come to fruition, is us seeking the thing that we think we deserve. So we'll talk more about that in, in future episodes. And if you read Beyond the Battle, it, it certainly gets into the other side of that. But the point of this first video is if grace, I see grace as filling us up. Grace makes us whole. Think of it like the floodgates of heaven just pouring out onto you. But if you don't realize that you've actually dug a huge pit yourself, right? Your sin has dug this pit, this that we deserve God's wrath and we don't deserve. So if we know that and we know that we deserve his wrath, then what happens is his mercy and grace has somewhere to go. It can fill up that pit, and all of a sudden now we are just swimming in this ocean of his grace because we realize how much we don't deserve God's love. And then when we're told about God's love, it's not trite. It's not like, oh, Jesus loves me. Yeah, yeah, I know that. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. It's, wow, how could God love me? I'm under his wrath, but yet he's given me all of this grace and this mercy. The scripture I was referring to in the video is Matthew 18. If you go to Matthew 18, it's the parable of the unmerciful servant. It starts in Matthew 18, verse 21. It goes through verse 35. And it's basically trying to get us a monetary picture of how much we've been forgiven. There's one guy in the story who owes his master about 200,000 years worth of salary. And he deserves death. He deserves to be put in prison until that can be paid back. It could never be paid back. And that's really where we are at the mountain. I tell people now and I tell myself when I'm struggling, go back to the holy mountain. I like to close my eyes. I picture that mountain. I picture it quaking violently. And I think, wow, I don't deserve anything from God except hell, except his wrath. And in that moment, then realizing what he's given me instead. What he's given me instead is his mercy. What he's given me instead is his grace. So I think of how low I am and how high he is. 
but then how he reaches down and picks me up and he embraces me. And that's the second piece. That's the part of the wing that I don't think can be as sweet as it needs to be until we realize how much we don't deserve it, how far away from him uh, that, we, that, that we are. How could we appreciate it if we think we've earned it the whole time? If, if your boss gives you your paycheck at the end of the week, you're not all that thankful for it. You're like, yeah, I earned this. I deserved it. So if you think your paycheck is God's mercy, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He's forgiven me. But, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I deserve it. I deserve these things. And I, in fact, I deserve above and beyond these things. It's kind of like you think that God's mercy is just your paycheck. I've earned this. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is I don't deserve this. The paycheck I deserve is hell. The paycheck I deserve is eternity separated from God. But what I have been given instead is the greatest treasure in the universe, and that is salvation through Jesus. And we truly, you look at the metaphors, the parables that Jesus gives about the kingdom. He says it's a treasure buried in the field. That's in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, you look at that field, and this, this person sold all they had to buy that field. Well, the field wasn't that spectacular. People probably looked at that person saying, why did you sell all you had for that field? It's just a field. But that person knew that below the field was a treasure, and the treasure is the kingdom. It's not always the things you see on the surface, but you know that it is there. It's really a magnificent parable because someone could come by, they could set that field on fire, right? They could vandalize the field, they could pollute the field. On the surface level, it could look like your life was totally miserable and your spouse wasn't doing for you what you thought they should do for you. In your singleness, you thought God isn't giving you what you thought he should give you, yet you have treasure beyond measure and what Jesus has given you. And, and really it comes down to this. We have two options. One of them is to choose to be miserable. And that's our entitlement. We can go to God, and I know there's legitimate questions. Why wouldn't God give me these good things? And some of those questions I can't answer. You, you're welcome to, to write those questions into me. And I'd love to interact with them on the podcast with you. Yes, and there's... there's there's other scripture where God says he gives good gifts to his children. And there's other scriptures where he says, bring all your requests to me. And there's other scriptures that say, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can move this mountain. But what happens is when we look at those scriptures with an entitled point of view, we think that God owes us those things, let alone that the gospels, the book, I believe it's Luke, tells us, that God, yes, gives good gifts to his children. And Luke goes ahead and says, it's the Holy Spirit that he gives to his children. But beyond that, and we can talk more about prayer in another episode if you're interested in doing that. But my point is in our two choices, one choice is to live entitled and going to God time and time again saying, God, make my wife do this. Make my husband do this. And here's the thing. The Christian marriage market has sold a lot of books capitalizing on that desire. Call it kickback love. I talk about it a lot. 
in the first three chapters of Beyond the Battle. So the video that you just heard was the video for chapters one, two, and three. Kickback love is I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I find out what your love language is or whatever it might be. And if I do that for you, then what that means is you will scratch my back. You'll give me my love language. And I'm telling you that typically leads to frustration and it leads to being miserable and it leads to making things worse. Even in, though in the beginning, it, it works in the beginning. And I think that's why those books sell a lot of copies because it says, wow, I finally gotten my wife or my husband to do for me what I've wanted them to do for me all this time. But what happens when they stop doing that thing for you? Or what happens if they don't ever do that thing for you and you say, we read this book together. I'm doing your thing for you. I'm giving you your way of receiving love and you're not giving it back to me. What's the only emotional response? It's frustration. It's entitlement. It's, it's that things are worse now than they've ever been. Now my spouse knows. I've told them they've read this book and they're still not doing the thing that I'm entitled to. That's a miserable place to be. And usually, again, that's a place where we then say, well, this isn't working. I married the wrong person. I'm going to get a divorce or I'm going to look at pornography or I'm going to just fantasize. Often we just sit there and we suck it up and we're miserable. There's a, there's a choice. There's a second option. And this second option is so freeing. This isn't popular. If you can hang in there, though, this is so freeing. And it is to say, God, I don't deserve anything. I deserve wrath, just like Scripture says. Yet in your mercy, and there's so much Scripture about God's mercy. In your mercy, you've given me the gospel. You love me. You validate me. There's a whole sections in Beyond the Battle about how Jesus validates us. We'll talk about that more in another episode. But to you, you, you can have a physiological tactile feeling inside of you if you're able to do this in your prayer life where you can say close your eyes and go to the holy mountain and say I don't deserve anything from you God I don't deserve for my spouse to change if I'm single I don't deserve a spouse and yet you've given me so much I'm sitting in a chair right now it's a nice chair it's soft it's comfortable I don't deserve this chair I'm drinking a glass of water as I speak into this microphone. I don't deserve this glass of water. I don't deserve this microphone. I don't deserve this office that I'm sitting in. And if I don't deserve them, here's the miracle. I can now be thankful. For the first time in my life, I can truly be thankful. You're not thankful for your paycheck at work. You've earned that. What you're thankful for is a gift you don't deserve. If someone knocks on the door of your house with a million dollars, you're going to be thankful. If you can't pay your light bill and you find out that someone paid it for you, you're going to be thankful. If you're out at a restaurant and you're having conversation and you, see, you tell the, the server, I'd like my check, and they say, oh, someone in the restaurant already paid it for you, doesn't that feel great? You... If you've ever had that happen to you, you're like, wow, 
That is so cool that someone loved me enough to be able to do that. And that's just a small amount. That might be $30 or whatever you know, your, your dinner for two costs at that restaurant. What we're talking about is everything you've been given, you can be thankful for. From the chair you're sitting on to the glass of water to even your spouse. That they exist even through the struggle. The spouse that there's not necessarily even the quote-unquote good qualities about them to be thankful for, though you should be if they have those. But if you're in a situation of saying, I don't have anything even to be thankful for about my spouse, can you still say, God, I am grateful for what you've given me. I'm grateful And you can look around. You can start listing things that he's given you. And I guarantee you, you'll be able to come up with things. And now, even if your circumstance doesn't change, if your sex life doesn't get better, or your spouse doesn't show you more affection, or they're still a jerk, or whatever it might be, you can live grateful. Not necessarily grateful because of how your spouse is living. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, God, thank you that my spouse is fill in the blank. They're being mean to me or they're being a jerk or whatever it might be. But God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for this chair that I'm sitting in. And it will change your spirit. It'll change your disposition to be able to see those things. And your circumstances then might change. I'm not saying for sure they will. It's not a guarantee because if we approach it in that way, then we're just going back to the same entitlement mindset. But here's what often can happen. You're operating in your marriage as this entitled person. Your spouse knows that. They pick up on it. They're like, they roll their eyes. Oh, yeah, you clean the house. Now you want to have sex. Great. Yeah, it, that, that's not loving. That's, you're still seeing them as a vending machine. You're seeing them as someone that's there to just meet your desire, whatever your love language is. And so, you know, that, 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 that only goes so far. But if your disposition changes and all of a sudden, instead of this entitled person before God and before them and before everyone and, and and it's never enough and there's always something more to complain about and instead you realize look we live in a fallen world that's a theological term I'll try to unpack that for you uh, in a more in a future episode if you'd like let me know but essentially it means this world was created perfect it was created as heaven in the garden of Eden and sin messed it up And we live in a fallen world, and this world will never be utopia. And a lot of theology tells you if you're a Christian and you have enough faith, God will answer all your prayers and it'll be utopia. God isn't your genie, first of all. We're not entitled to that. But also, this is a sinful world, and it's cursed. Genesis 3 says this is the way this world is going to be. This is the way people are going to treat one another. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Guess what? There's a new heaven and a new earth coming. Praise God. We can read about it in Revelation 21 and 22. But in the meantime, what does it look like instead of going to God with entitlement and saying this nothing's good enough, nothing's good enough, saying my hope is in you, Jesus. My ultimate hope is everything will be fixed and evil will not have the final say. Jesus has the final say. The victory is in Jesus. And in the meantime, what does it look like to say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm even breathing? 
I deserve to be in hell this moment. That's a terrifying thing. I do that sometimes. Maybe I'm weird or crazy. I don't know. Let me know. But I close my eyes and say, what would it like to be in hell right now? That's what I deserve. That's my paycheck. And then I open my eyes and take a deep breath and say, Jesus, thank you. I'm so grateful. Thank you for giving me what I don't deserve, including the chair I'm sitting in, including my spouse. If you're single, including your singleness and the gift that comes along with that. Chapter one of Beyond the Battle is written only to singles, and it unpacks that more, and I think it's a word uh, that singles will be very, very encouraged by. To wrap this first episode up, the clarifier from the video that I want you to be able to take home is don't live off 25 cents worth of grace. It won't be enough. It, it won't be enough for you to be able to actually forgive your spouse. Back to Matthew 18. We can only forgive people when they harm us, when we realize how much we've been forgiven. So instead of living on 25 cents worth of grace, get all of it. Live on, I mean, get the whole treasure. Realize that I've been given so much and it's going to change not only the way you look at your your purity your marriage your singleness it'll change everything about your life there's one more thing i want to add on to this episode and i'm actually adding this in after i've recorded everything else the more i think about it it's just a really important question that i'm hoping to get some feedback specifically from some female listeners on and the and, and the reason i bring it up is because this has been a topic on my blog before when i've written about entitlement the way that I did uh, talked about it today in the uh, in the episode and I'm trying to figure out how to write on this subject for women when it comes to the parallel book to beyond the battle and just in general and so what I mean is this I think so the questions that come in typically are what about in situations of abuse and I think you know for the most part across the board when it comes to physical abuse, it's black and white. It's a, you know, you get out of that situation. When it comes to other types of abuse, though, it's it's much more vague and ambiguous. And I'll be honest, I've been humbled in a healthy way uh, by some of the questions that were brought to me on the blog. Uh, one woman in particular, she was saying, how do I live you know, grateful, as you're saying, when my husband is just super detached, he's kind of just sounds like a big jerk, but in the middle of the night, he wakes her up. He wakes her up while he's trying to have sex with her. And, you know, it just feels like, feels like he's, it almost feels like rape almost. And, you know, and, and I don't have like great answers to that where what I'm realizing is that it is different, I think, for a man and for a woman in that situation where, for the most part, a woman isn't able to do that to a man in the middle of the night and typically doesn't want to, where that's something that this specific woman has to deal with. And so I, I'm asking this as a question for women listeners, if you can help me when I talk about this. For example, advice I got from a female Christian friend on this subject was, you know, it, it is a it's, it's hard sometimes to really label or determine the difference between abuse and just a crappy marriage, right? That, that, that was the words that she used. And so I'm wondering if you can help me with that so that I can help people better. 
And I, and I do think, because with this, I think the core of this is true. Many women have read Beyond the Battle, the exact thing I've written to men on entitlement, and they've just told me how much it applies to their situation. In fact, it's the only reason I thought to write a book about this for women at all is because a woman who was editing my book said, man, I need to hear this myself. Like, you need to, this all translates over to women. And so there, I would say maybe there's a percentage, who knows, 90% of marriages that this applies directly to where, you know, you're, you're in a marriage and, and you're just annoyed by your husband. He does things you don't want him to do, but he keeps doing them. And you're, you're, you, you feel entitled that he should change, you know, and, and whatever area of life that might be, whether it's sex or, you know, other areas. Um, he doesn't clean the house, you know, those sorts of things. But then there's that 10% where it, it, it is mu- a much different situation. And I don't want to take that lightly. And that's why I thought, you know, it's important that I put this into this episode and not just come back to it later. Uh, so if you want to email me, beyondthebattlepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at battle underscore podcast. And let me know your thoughts. I, I think it would be a good discussion. I'd love to hear from you, and then I'd like to wrestle with that more. Uh, I do believe that in any circumstance, any sort of suffering, we can still find peace through what we have in Jesus. And so I think the exercise of going to the holy mountain and then realizing the grace and mercy we have in Christ, that still brings us peace, though that is different than being... I'm then saying I'm grateful for my spouse, right? That's a different thing. And, and, and really this strategy is meant to save your marriage. And, uh, but that doesn't mean all marriages should be saved in ones where there is abuse of different kinds. And so I, I lo- love to have some interaction with you on that and know that it's something that is on my heart and something I'm trying to learn more about, specifically from women. So hope to hear from you. And I will transition back into the closing of the show. And just as a pastor, I would love to walk you through more of that if you're interested. And, and as I conclude, I want to remind you of how you can interact uh, with me on these subjects. So just email me at beyondthebattlepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at battle underscore podcast. I also want to say this. I'll say this each episode at the beginning and at the end of the episode. If you are currently struggling with online pornography, internet pornography, if it's on your tablet, if it's on your phone, on your computer, you have got to get covenant eyes on your computer. So most of Beyond the Battle is talking about getting to the root. It's asking the question, why? Why do I lust? Why do I have these struggles in my marriage, in my singleness? And I have experienced, and I believe it is possible for all of us that we can get to a point where we don't want to lust anymore, where it's not just a matter of don't lust, don't lust, don't lust, don't lust. It's I don't want to lust. Why? That is not appealing to me. And that's really the goal of the book. But you have to work the wheel. You have to work this. It's not just reading the book. It's it's a discipleship path, and it's the sort of things we're talking about starting now on this episode. But that doesn't mean the surface-level stuff isn't important to work through and to deal with. If you're currently in the cycle of online pornography, or I'm going to be real with you, if you're just quote-unquote stumbling into it every few months, as people like to call it, you have got to deal with that. Do it now. I don't think you can properly address the foundation, the the soul deep solutions 
if the symptoms haven't been addressed simultaneously. So go to CovenantEyes.com. I have a promo code for you. The promo code will get you your first month free. The promo code is CROSSROADS, plural, CROSSROADS, plural, and I am an affiliate for Covenant Eyes, and so that's why I have an, a, a promo code with them. But I love Covenant Eyes. It's the reason I'm an affiliate for them. I will also give you a link to all these things at the show notes. So the show notes will be at, at crossroads.net, and you can find all this stuff there as well. But what you can do with Covenant Eyes is set it up as monitoring software or a filter. So you, the websites you go to will be sent to your accountability partner. That could be your spouse. It could be your pastor. It could be a friend. You also can set it up as a filter that blocks websites out. You can use it uh, for your whole family. You can set it up for different users as well. It's very inexpensive. And so before I conclude, I want to remind you of that. That could be a lifeline uh, for you. I want to conclude by saying thank you for listening. I encourage you to interact with the podcast. I encourage you to pick up a copy of Beyond the Battle. You can get that on Amazon, though my preference would be that you order it directly from me, from my publisher, which is southfrancispress.com, and I will ship that out to you directly. That helps me out a bit more than if you buy it off of Amazon, and it'll be the same price or cheaper that way as well. There's an ebook. Uh, there will be an audiobook coming out soon, so if you're an audiobook person, Stay tuned. I'll keep you posted on that on the podcast. I want to give a shout out to Kyle Lake for the theme song to the podcast that you hear in the background. It's his song, Freedom. It's off his most recent album. You can check out Kyle's music at K Lake Music. So thank you, Kyle. So this officially wraps up episode one of the Beyond the Battle podcast. There is hope beyond the symptoms of sexual sin. There is a soul deep solution. Let's go beyond and let's go beyond together. See you next time. There's no purgatory because you're in or you're out. When you see them in the clouds, you know it's going down. Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is with your days. Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? Some confusion, then I hope you see him clearly. Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now, all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A list. Money probably long, but sure is what your days is.